0: This message that God has poured into me this week, this weekend, is, speaks about being rat, radically serving. Radically serving. The Gospel of Mark, chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, we see an illustration of radical service. Radical service. A, a truck driver thought he would take a shortcut. Paying no attention to signs, he approached a bridge that didn't have the necessary clearance for his trailer that was attached to his truck to Clear so of course as he come to the bridge he got stuck after a little while traffic was stopped and backed up and, and they had to call engineers to come and work out a system or situation or some answer to get the truck unstuck without doing further damage to the bridge while they all of these Engineering minds are scrambling to figure out what can they do. A little girl rolled down her window and yelled out, why don't y'all let the air out of the tires? (laughs) Radical. I mean, that's just too simple when you've got these engineers all around. But it worked. And there comes times in our lives, if we want to serve God and serve others, we have to look at radical solutions to help solve problems. Look with me here in this passage. The Bible says in Mark 2, chapter, Mark two verses 1 through 12, the Bible says, And again, he entered Capernaum. After some days it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately, many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door, and he preached the word to them. Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men, and when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So, when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, He said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven you. And some of the scribes were were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But immediately when Jesus perceived in their spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Arise, take up your bed and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, Arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. And immediately he rose, took up his bed, went out. In the presence of them all, so that all were amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. Oh, what a radical, what a radical service. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time. We thank you for how you've already moved. And now, God, we thank you for what you're going to do for the remainder of this service. As you're speaking to hearts right now, we pray that you give us patience. We pray that you give us strength. We pray, God. We pray, God, that you would just encourage us, help us to focus on your word for this next few moments. And we'll praise you for what you do in the midst of it all. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. This is an extremely interesting narrative. The Bible says that when Jesus again entered into Capernaum. Now, after the beginning of Jesus' ministry uh, of preaching and performing miracles, Jesus and four disciples left Capernaum and went out into Galilee and all the towns in Galilee preaching and performing miracles. Now, in this case, the Bible says that they were casting out demons. Oh, you can imagine him casting out demons, getting the attention of the people. As a matter of fact, a couple of weeks ago, we learned that Jesus cleansed a leper during this time. And, and now Jesus and his disciples have returned back to Capernaum. And at this time, a great number of people were following Jesus. So when he came to, to the house, the Bible says here, after some days, the house was so full with people trying to get near to Jesus. Some believe that the house that Jesus went to was Peter's house. But whosoever house it was, it became full of people. So full that no one could get through the door. It appears that the people wanted to see what was Next. You know, if you start a fire somewhere, people will come. They're going to want to know what's going on. My father, when he was, before my brother died, he'd hear an ambulance right by the house. And when he heard those sirens, he'd take off to go see what was happening. His last time doing that was the day he rode up on my brother's accident never done it again you know people want to know what's going on when something big is is taking place Jesus had been healing people and so people it appears that they were here at this house where Jesus was because they wanted to see what he was going to do next he had cast out demons he had healed lepers so what was next But what they found when they were there was a value placed on preaching. They went there to see a miracle, but what they found was preaching. We, you know, we all know that there are many ways to draw a crowd. You can go to almost any bar that has good music and, and you'll see a crowd. You can go to a ball game and you're going to see a crowd. It don't matter if the ball game is going well or not. You'll see a crowd. It doesn't matter if it's little league or if it's major league. You'll see a crowd. And any church that plays on the emotions of people but doesn't teach, doesn't challenge, doesn't equip them to grow spiritually, that church will draw a crowd. Now, if Jesus was interested in drawing a crowd, Jesus would have played played up to the crowd and his popularity and his celebrity and it would have grown tremendously he could have performed a few more miracles and, and left the truth of the gospel alone and the pharisees would not have bothered him but in this moment he did something radical the bible says while they're there to see him perform some miracle he preached the word to them. I imagine this is not what the people expected, but it's what they got. Some of you right now were expecting me to close service at 12 o'clock. But no, this is what you're getting. <laughs> they're preachers that I know of personally. They're wonderful men. If you would have been in their congregation, they'd have closed service. They'd have, say, they'd have folded the message, put it up, and walked away, but... I wrestled too late last night with this. Jesus could have received more fanfare than we can imagine if, if he would have just kept performing miracles after miracle. But what's clear is that Jesus' message was more important than the miracles. I can't say what passage he preached from. But we would we could assume that it was from the Old Testament. We would assume it was from the Hebrew Scriptures. And, and he shared with them about the kingdom of God. And, and I'm sure he also preached about the power of God and salvation for anyone who would repent of their sins. I wonder today how many of us place this kind of value on preaching. You know, preaching was sinner. It was very central to the life and ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ. And some, and the same must hold true for any church that wants to be in service for the Lord. You know, I love good singing, don't you? And I love our choir, they do a great job. And I, I just, I love good singing. I love testimony meetings. I love the fact that people are are free. You feel free in this place to, to share your testimony. I love special services, but nothing takes the place of preaching. Some of you may wonder why. Why is preaching so important? Because we preach the gospel. I, I don't know about you, but I, I love the gospel. In fact, if you don't love the gospel, you may want to do an evaluation of yourself to find out if you've truly been born again. Because if you've been born again, you can't help but love the gospel. Because it's the gospel that's the power of God the salvation. Without the gospel, we wouldn't be saved. You know, I was lost and on my way to a demon's hell when I heard the gospel. Something radical took place in my life and I was convicted of my sin and I realized I was in need of a savior, someone who could cleanse me of all my sin. And in the gospel, I learned that a savior indeed had come to this sin-cursed world. He did something so radical over 2,000 years ago that it's still changing lives today. He left the glory of heaven. Isaiah said when he looked up, he saw seraphim flying around, two with six wings to cover their face, to cover their feet, and to fly with. And and they were flying around, uh, crying out, holy, holy, holy. Listen, folks, to be in a place like that, to come to this sin-cursed world, that's a radical thing. Oh, (laughs) He came to this sin-cursed world and he came in the likeness of man, being born of a woman, but not just any woman, a woman that God chose for him, for him to be born through, a woman who, who was a virgin, who didn't know any man. And he lived a perfect and a sinless life. And so, because he did this every day, Man, every woman, every boy and girl can be forgiven of their sin. Listen, he was falsely accused. He was illegally tried. He was beaten at a whipping post. They pressed the crown of thorns on his head. They plugged the hair out of his face and they spat upon him. He was pushed, ridiculed, and mocked up Golgotha's hill. And when he reached the top, they nailed him to an old rugged cross, suspended him between heaven and earth. And and as he was receiving the wrath of my sin, your sin, God, his heavenly father, turned his back upon him so that he wouldn't have to turn his back upon me. Oh, I love the gospel. I love the gospel. It was by faith I believe the gospel. By faith I believe in the finished work of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because three days from the cross, he rose victorious from the grave. And, he, and when we place our faith in this radical Savior who came to the earth to become the once and for all sacrifice for the sin of the world, we receive the victory that he that he had over death, hell, and the grave. Oh, by faith I received him as my Lord and Savior. My life has forever been changed. And if this radical, this gospel, if it can radically change your life. If you'll fall in love with the gospel. The Bible says faith come by hearing and hearing the word of God. So listen, we have no other choice but to place value on preaching. We've got to preach the word of God. We've got to preach the gospel because it's the gospel that changes lives. And when we place value on the preaching of the gospel, we can witness the power of forgiveness. Folks, when Jesus was preaching for me and brought their paralyzed friends to Jesus, or their paralyzed friend to Jesus, they believed that if they could get to this man, Jesus, he, could, he, he would heal this man's body. Oh, they had heard about all the healings he had done prior to this. And when they arrived to the house, the crowd was so large, they couldn't get in. So they decided <laughs> this door might not open, but the roof will. Oh, what a radical thing. What would you have done? What would I have done? Probably just went on home. (laughs) Let me help us here. In this day, houses were constructed with flat roofs. Often there was a set of stairs at the side of the house that provided access to the roof. And the roof was was much like a deck back then. A deck that we have today. Right outside as we walk outside of our house, it, it was like that on top of the roof. The roof had timbers laying across the house and, and there was a there was a layer of branches across the timbers and, and then they put clay tiles upon the upon these um these limbs and then they covered that with mud and they, they shaped that mud till it could get hard and it became waterproof. So here Jesus is preaching in the house and these four men find their way up the side stairs to the top of the house. They begin to dig through the roof and and when they made this opening large enough, they let the bed down with their friend in it. Can you imagine Jesus is preaching then dirt, wood, and clay. It begins to fall upon the crowd. They look up and there's a hole in the roof and a man coming down. I know exactly what you would have been thinking, because I would have too. I hope my homeowners is going to pay for this. (laughs) You think Peter might have been worried about that? (laughs) Could have been. We don't know. We weren't there. I imagine everyone was stunned, but Jesus wasn't. I would imagine Jesus was just elated. You look, he saw these four men and they were willing to do whatever it takes to get their friend to Jesus. Mm. Are we willing to do whatever it takes to win some to the gospel? Or do we have to hold on to our sacred cows? Well, if they don't like the way we do it here, They can go somewhere else. Hmm. We have to ask ourselves are we willing to do what's difficult for ministry? And sometimes the difficult thing is to not have our way. These men didn't get their way, but they didn't stop. What they did, they carried a man up onto a roof. Sometimes we have to be willing to go to radical extremes, uh, which means that we can't just give up when something, when we find a roadblock, we've got to keep pressing through. These men could have given up, but they didn't. They got creative. Sometimes we must be willing to pay the cost for ministry. Somebody had to repair a roof at a house. Old preacher, we didn't budget that. These men were willing to do whatever it took to bring this man to the Lord. My question is, are we willing to do whatever it takes to win souls to the kingdom of God? We said our vision is to, is to be and become a fellowship of believers who are winning souls to the kingdom of God. Are we willing to do whatever it takes? to win souls to the kingdom of God. Paul said this in chapter 9, verses 19 through 13 in 1 Corinthians. He said, for though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win the more. And to the Jews I became a Jew that I might win Jews. To those who are under the law as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without the law as without the law, not being without the law toward God, but under the law toward Christ, that I might win those who are without the law. To the weak that I became weak that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men that I might by all means save some. And Paul says, now this I do for the gospel's sake, that I may be a partaker of it with you. Paul didn't do this for his own sake. He did it for the sake of the gospel. So you and I would have the gospel today. The Bible says Jesus saw their faith and said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven you. Now, let's make sure we're aware now of what happened. The man was brought to Jesus for healing, but Jesus forgave him of his sin. (laughs) It's possible, and it seems very evident right here that the paralysis this man was experiencing was the consequence of his sin. Do you not know that you can worry so much that it'll cause a stroke? According to scripture, worry is a sin. You can worry so that you cause a heart attack. You can worry so that you become paralyzed and you can't move. I don't know what this man's sin was, but Jesus knew. And while this man was paralyzed, Jesus knew his spiritual condition was much worse than his physical condition. And because Jesus took care of the spiritual problem first, he called this man son. Here in this passage, the word son is translated as child. So basically, Jesus called this man his child. This is what happens when someone who's far from God, someone who's dead in the trespass of their sin, someone who's lost, and uh, when we trust Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, Jesus reconciles us to the Father, and you become a son or a daughter of God, and you'll put on that which resembles our Heavenly Father. You'll, put, you'll become a new creation, for all things will pass away, and all things will become new. The problem is you're trying to fix things yourself. You're trying to fix your physical problems before you allow him to fix your spiritual problems. You, you want to change some of your habits first. You, you want to clean up some areas in your life first. You, you want to, you want to live out a certain time of your life and then go. So what we find is the problem is you You want to control your life and to surrender your life to Jesus, is giving him control of your life. That means if you will allow him to control your life, he will change your habits, he will change, he, he will clean up areas in your life that you can't seem to clean up on your own he will empower you to live this Christian life will you live it perfectly oh no you're still in flesh he's not called us to perfection he's going to make us perfect he's called us to faithfulness while we walk in this life no we, we all fail But thank God his mercies are new every day. And his grace is sufficient to carry us through. Our perfection is not in us, our perfection is in Jesus Christ. In this passage, we notice that when we take, when we place value on preaching, we can experience the power of forgiveness. Man, those that weren't here today, those who came and left early, they've missed this service. (laughs) Can't duplicate it. There ain't enough of scientists in the world to duplicate this service. Now, they can see it on TV, but it's not the same as being here. (laughs) Well, whenever we get to experience the power of forgiveness, that time will validate the person of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So here we, last, I want us to notice the validity of his person. And I'm going to get out of your way. There were some scribes in the house. Jesus has done a great thing. He's forgiven the man of his sins. but there are scribes probably planted there. It's highly likely that the Pharisees had heard all that Jesus had done and they, they sent this clique of men together and said, y'all go and see what's taking place. You know, the scribes, you know what their job was? The copy of the scriptures. I've learned that the more I write something down, the more I remember it. It would seem that the scribes would have remembered the scriptures. (laughs) And that the scriptures would testify of a coming Messiah who had power on earth to forgive sin. But instead, they began to talk to one another, accusing Jesus of speaking blasphemies. You know why they were probably like a lot of born-again believers today? Oh, Jesus is coming but it won't be while I'm here. <laughs> the Messiah's coming, but it'll be on down the road. So I got time. Yeah, I'm sure they were thinking, yeah, the Messiah, God said the Messiah will come, but it's not gonna be right now. But what they did know, they knew that only God could forgive sin. And when Jesus made this statement, your sins are forgiven, they knew Jesus was declaring to be God. Yes. They knew that. And Jesus knew this is what was in their heart and in their mind, and this is what they were arguing uh, about or they were contemplating about. It. And He asked the question, He sets them up. Which is easier? Is it easier to say to the paralytic, you're forgiven of your sins or say, arise, take up your bed and walk. Be, the reason he asked this question, because if if he had have said, just arise, get up and walk, and they had have seen that, there'd have been no way they could have doubted him. But because he said, your sins are forgiven, that, w- that couldn't be proven as easily as him being able to walk. So his healing w- would be seen and that would be proof, but his forgiveness of sin wouldn't be as evident. You know, we don't walk by sight. No matter what the world says, we don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. We don't always understand, but we trust the Lord. They showed they didn't trust him. And Jesus knew it. So Jesus says, well, just to prove to these scribes that I have the power on earth to forgive sins. Hey, get up and walk. Take your bed and go home. And the man did just that. He stood up. A paralyzed man stood up. (laughs) Picked up his bed. Oh, he wasn't just using his legs for walking. He was using his legs for carrying too. (laughs) And he walked home. With his bed on his shoulders. Woo. (laughs) Everyone was amazed. And they glorified God because they had never seen such a thing. Listen, I'm going to share this and I'm getting out of here. I'm closing right now. Verse 10 says, Jesus told them he had power on earth to forgive sins. I want to encourage us today. Jesus' words are valid. He did many marvelous things things while he walked on the earth including forgiven sins in fact through his sacrificial death he is still forgiven sin and i have experienced his forgiveness many here has experienced his forgiveness and if you'll believe the gospel of jesus christ and surrender your life to him you will experience this life changing this radical forgiveness Romans 10 and 9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. But can I warn you, as we're getting ready to sing this song of invitation, can I warn you of this? Jesus is also saying that the place to receive Forgiveness is here on earth. It is possible to wait too long. If you leave this world without surrendering your life to Jesus Christ here on earth, it'll be too late for you. So while the blood is running warm in your body while every head's bowed and every eye is closed. Would you today? Would you today decide today while I'm alive here on earth, while he is speaking to my heart, come. Come and receive Jesus. The Bible says if you'll if believe the gospel Jesus left the splendor of heaven he came to this sin cursed world he took upon flesh and he lived a perfect life not only did he live a perfect life but he he gave his life for you he died a sinner's death taken upon my sin and your sin he nailed it to the cross They buried him in a borrowed tomb. And on the third day, he arose victorious from the grave. If you'll believe this, and if you'll confess that you are a sinner in need of a Savior, and Jesus is the Savior, he'll save you today. So would you pray with me right now, God? I know I'm flawed. I know... I've messed up. I know I am far from you. But God, you sent your son for someone like me. And I believe Jesus is the savior of the world. And God, I call out right now, confessing my sin and asking that you forgive me of my sin. God, thank you for being true to your word. But you said that if we confess our sins, you're faithful and just to forgive us of all our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God, thank you for saving me today. Give me strength. Give me courage. Equip me to share your gospel. And God, we'll praise you for what you do. In Jesus' name we pray.